Hello and welcome to the movie graveyard. As always, I am the goat, joined by a still kind of new part-time grave digger, movie grave digger here at the movie graveyard. Everybody, welcome back for her second appearance, uh, Ladybird. Ladybird, what's going on? Nothing much. Just curious about how to talk about this movie. It's a pretty interesting one. Well, on your first appearance. <laughs> You got thrown the curveball of my demon lover, <laughs> and you still came back for more. So, I want to definitely commend you for that. We got another rare and obscure 80s film here. Still pulling a lot of 80s wool here in the graveyard. Um, this one is called Tapeheads, a very obscure, I believe, 1988 film with some big names in it. And we'll get to that in a second. But uh, without further ado, let's go ahead with our sync instructions. We're going to be watching the DVD here in the home theater, rolling with the tiny portable recorder. Hopefully everything goes good as it did last time. So I have it paused. This is, uh, if you do have this movie at home, it's going to be on this Anchor Bay DVD. When you press play on this thing, there's like some weird, it has nothing to do with the actual movie, just some shit Anchor Bay put on, some weird like phantasm flying ball stereo like literally it says chase digital stereo you know it's not dolby digital it's not dts it's chase d d stereo whatever the fuck it was <laughs> so we got past that we're paused literally on the one second mark on the dvd there is a studio logo something called avenue pictures about to come up if you freeze at the literally the one second mark you will see that i'm gonna say one two three go and if you're following along with your uh, own DVD player or whatnot, uh, when I say go, hit play as always. So everybody, here we go, rolling on tape heads. One, two, three, go. All right, everything's rolling, everything's good. Let's see, let me get our menu off here. Okay, NBC Productions is the second studio logo. And I have to say, I never knew that NBC had anything to do with making movies. <laughs> That's interesting. But here we go. It almost starts out, the opening shot, it kind of surprised me that it starts with this. Because you don't get much of this suburban environment at all. But it's a very Poltergeist-esque, E.T.-esque, <laughs> Night of the Comet-esque, you know, San Fernando Valley tract home subdivision. Very nice. Kids playing outside. And then we cut to inside one of the homes. Uh, a family is watching some home video movies. And this uh, will really be, if you're one of the younger viewers and you track this movie down, this is really like some old-time shit what they're watching here because they're watching like old scratchy home video thing like on a projector, but it's like, it's not video, it's like home films. So it's pretty interesting. There's a, like, uh, I'm old enough that there were some home films taken of me when I was a baby <laughs> that are like kind of like this. But it's kind of cool because you don't know anything that's going on in this movie. And, like, this whole opening, like, montage, it kind of makes more sense the more, like, the second time you watch it, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah, I like the opening of this because it, even with that opening shot of the little neighborhood, like, it really, at first, I'd never seen this before. So when I first saw this opening, I really thought it, ha it was going to be kind of like a 50s, like a 1950s influence kind of thing. So, like, the way they opened up on the, like, Pleasantville neighborhood and, yeah. you know, like, the font of the credits, it's, like, really, like, you're gonna watch something from the 50s. Yeah. And, like, basically... Oh, here's Catherine Hardwick. Yeah, production designer Catherine Hardwick, uh, lady who would go on to have a big directing career. Um, she's not 
part of the current wave of uh, woman power directors, but she was doing it long before the. But yeah, basically, uh, this movie. Also, this movie uh, we just saw the credit executive producer Michael Nesmith, which that's another reason why I really wanted to see this movie. Um, when I stumbled across it, was I was a big fan of Repo Man, the cult movie that Michael Nesmith. For people who don't know, Michael Nesmith is actually. Uh, uh, Mike from the Monkees. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, and I was a big Monkees fan, and Mike was actually my favorite monkey when I used to watch the show, you know, as a kid in reruns. But here we have the home movies wrapping up, and basically what this was, and this you saw this a lot in older comedies. Older comedies from, like, the 80s and 90s, they always be about two best friends, yeah. it seemed like, right? Yeah, we're really missing that now, just young young people, whether it's... You know, girls, guys, whatever. Just young people and their adventures about their lives. Like, that's really something I think we need more of again. Yeah. And this is interesting because, you know, we pull out and we see these home movies. This is actually a birthday celebration. And this is a ritual that they do. This mom, this dad, and their son, Tim Robbins, and his best friend, played by John Cusack. They do this every year on Tim Robbins' birthday. They watch all the home movies which showed the kids growing up together. And in there was a little, there's like little parts of like them watching these like uh, black guys on TV, these soul singers, um, who we later find out are like their heroes and figure it into the plot majorly later on. But uh, yeah, Tapeheads is a wacky comedy, but it's funny because like the whole rest of the movie's wacky, but it starts out like really conventionally here. And we see that they're off to their night, you know, they both work as security guards at this like underground kind of i don't know scientific complex yeah they never really say do they I don't remember yeah mentioning like where this is supposed to be taking place but the thing i like about this is it's definitely meant to be a youth comedy but it's uh um, is that a p-test thing yeah they're okay. they're bringing in p-test tubes i guess they gotta get drug tested but um yeah i like that this isn't you know it's not about uh high school age guys yeah. it's not about college guys it's really about guys in their early 20s who haven't found their way in life and i thought that yeah. was like unique about it yeah i really like how he was so like technically savvy about the cameras and all that. yeah so they go and i guess their supervisor maybe just a co-worker but this little guy i'm pretty sure he's a pretty distinctive guy and i apologize for not knowing this character actor's name but i'm pretty sure he's like one of the main like kind of uh, comedy relief pirates in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Really? Yeah, like he he has a hat on so you can see, but he has like a super uh, familiar face. Yeah, he's, he kind of got like a monkey face. But um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's one of those guys. There's like two pirate guys that are always fumbling and bumbling in those movies. He's two of them. So at this underground security, and this shit is high tech. It's all concrete and whatever. But uh, Cusack rigged the uh, cameras to be on a loop. And uh, since uh, Tim Robbins had a shitty birthday party at home because his dad's an asshole and kicked them out <laughs> after they watched the home movie, Cusack, you know, now the hijinks begin, whatever this is, you know, five minutes in the movie, we start getting a real taste of uh, what's to come with the hijinks here. So uh, Cusack rigged the video cameras to just play on a loop, so it looks like all the hallways are clear, but instead he invited all these people to come party at this uh, underground facility security thing, whatever it is. What I really like, too, is that, like, I mean, it. what stood out to me about it was like, <coughs> I totally understood why you liked this movie and why you were drawn to it because it, it actually kind of goes into a lot about filmmaking or 
Yeah. At least not filmmaking, but I mean the beginning steps of that you would take to become a filmmaker. Like everybody starts, you know, at the lowest level and you know, you're making either commercials or music videos back in the day and like I really liked how they kind of were showing these guys what they actually have a lot of knowledge about how to do this stuff. Like it wasn't just like you know, some and then that when he when they're having the party and stuff, how he's editing the video and adding all this stuff. Like I thought that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, like basically what's happens is they're is they're secretly recording, you know, all the hallways this these people partying, and then like at the security guard station, it's kind of like a mix master video editing on the fly type thing. So Tim Robbins is basically just cutting together from all these security views of this crazy party. And the music that's playing, it kind of makes like an impromptu music video. Yeah. And the thing I really like about this is like, it's almost like borderline like weird science where like some of it don't make any sense. Because I mean, you'll see people here like you're crashing through brick walls, skateboarding upside down, (laughs) just all kinds of crazy stuff. Like this movie really goes for it. Like right off the bat, it's letting you know how crazy it's willing to be. But I I thought it was funny too how like, I think, well, I guess later on when we get to it, but I think at some point the guy actually leaves the supervisor or whatever he is, actually leaves the, where they are, that little room there. Yeah, and they showed still, him, he's in the bathroom. And yeah. he still never runs into this giant party no. that's going on. <laughs> so clearly, yeah. And it's kind of funny, in uh, Robbins and Kisak there, they kind of, see, yeah, everybody's hanging upside down, yeah. just crazy shit is happening, like, stuff that's literally physically not possible. You get some great 80s effects here of, you know, video effects of, like, weird shit you would see in music videos. And this movie came out in 88, but I almost feel like a little bit, it's really more of a mid-80s movie, because it really talks, you know, about, whoa, oh. it re- really talks a lot about the, uh, you know, the advent of music video and doing these kind of weird videos. Yeah, that's what I noticed about it, where it just seemed like it was all being very uh, innovative for the time. Yeah, it's really like a great time capsule, because it's, you know, for people my age or, or older who remember, like, the whole MTV revolution, um, you really will remember this. And, they're, and, like, they don't have MTV in this movie. They have, like, a fake version of MTV. But, um... But it's just really about, you know, the art form of the 80s. And that's what makes it kind of like a quintessential early to mid-80s movie. Yeah. Here he goes. He caught him. He busted him doing his stuff. Yeah, because there was a <laughs> transgender person re- uh, relieving themselves in the bathroom. So. Yeah, it's so strange because, like, I mean, you know, this is from 88. And there's, like, so many things back then that are such, like, a controversial thing going on right. now. Like how... You mentioned Catherine Hardwick and how she's a director, and it's kind of like she's been in the industry for such a long time, and like yeah, now I... people like her just barely getting attention, and then the whole transgender thing, like us just watching the movie and seeing the high heels walk into the bathroom, it's such a normal thing to us. Like yeah. you know, we don't care. Like we're not like ooh, it's weird or whatever. But everybody has such an issue with it now. Yeah, that that was like always <laughs> a joke in eighties movies about some sexy lady coming into a bathroom and then like using the urinal because she was really a guy. And like nobody was as like weirded out about that as they are yeah, now. Yeah, no, like I mean. <laughs> The only thing, when I first saw it, the only thing that I first came to mind was just, oh, people would, you know, 
that's such an issue now, you know, like, oh my god, there's somebody in the bathroom that's wearing high heels. Yeah. <laughs> it's something only somebody now would freak out about. Yeah. So they got fired because their, their supervisor saw the transgender person, you know, <laughs> using the urinal and figured out there was a party going on. So here they are. And I love that shot there where uh, they're in this bar watching RV TV. That's like the spoof version of MTV in this. And um, Cusack's talking about the the music video that they cut together, the party from the security camera footage. Um, you know, it's actually better than the stuff that's on MTV. And, um, you know, they could do better. His buddy could do better. And, like, there was one shot where there's, like, uh, a hanging light bulb in the background, like oh, yeah. the, like when Cusack <laughs> got the idea, the light yeah. bulb literally turned on in the background. Yeah, and like I kind of like this for being an eighty, you know, nineteen eighty eight movie. How much like old timey screwball yeah. comedy they're willing to put into it. I noticed that too. I thought it was funny. Yeah, I have to say I'm not like when I, <laughs> I've seen quite a few John Cusack movies, and I've got to say it. This mustache, it just yeah. I could not get with it. <laughs> He's got slick back hair. His name's Ivan in the movie. He's got slick back hair. Like, I wouldn't go as far as to call it like a Hitler mustache, but it's definitely like an old-timey 40s type mustache. <laughs> and, and he, majority of the movie, he's smoking uh, black and mild. And here we meet uh, Cusack, Ivan's father, who's actually Lyle Alzado from the Oakland Raiders, which I thought this was actually pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah it was an interesting cameo. Yeah, and you don't get much of these guys' home life because... Pretty soon here, they you know they kind of move out on their own, but but I I thought it was interesting too that you know Cusack. A lot of times these movies they have like um, one friend will be from the suburbs, another one will kind of be like lower class, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Whereas this one, they're both really like suburban guys, you know. Yeah. Now we get Clue Gulliger in a fake political like this movie's all over, you know, and like the more we get into it, the more I'll kind of get into you know how I feel about the movie in terms of the the direction of the story and how kind of chaotic it is. But here we have Clue Gulliger running for Senate. And there's it's actually a commercial where he's... There's, like, little kids, like, running around him playing a game, I guess, pocket full of posies. And he's actually putting cigarettes into their mouths. <laughs> like, I just... Just a lot of subtle, weird shit. And that's the thing. Like, so many people... I guess because right now the ones that are making the most noise about every, whatever issues are going on now are younger people. But it's like, for people that are even our age, and we're not even that old, like, we've seen a lot of things already. And, mm. like, to see that in a movie now, it's kind of like, what's happening now was, like, always kind of a spoof back in the day. It's <laughs> right, kind of like, right. oh, yeah, this is, you know, it was never really seen some by like, something that could actually happen. It was just kind of a joke like, an exaggerated version of, you know, what we think could happen, but now it's, like, sometimes you see stuff like that, and you're, like, oh, man, that's actually happening now. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty wild sometimes when you see uh, political satire in films from the 80s. <laughs> yeah. And how it perfectly lines up with, like, you know, the late 2010s. What so ended speak. up happening, yeah. <clears throat> like, the whole, uh, conspiracy from the simpsons how like everything they did all these animated things in the show yeah. like now you can match it up with stuff that's actually happening now <laughs> and here we have a scene and i thought that was an interesting choice they're showing at tim robbins house they got all this really high tech heavy duty <laughs> uh video editing equipment because you know they're trying to start their own video production company yeah. and i think that's unique i mean obviously that's clearly 80s it's you know like we said music and video music video inspired at the time but that's yeah. clearly something of the time in terms of like 
you know, we, we're watching this movie about these two young guys, lifelong friends, and their dream is to start a company that would make music videos, you know, like, it's just a good, unique idea for, uh, you know, a premise or for a comedy or whatnot. Yeah, that was one of the things that stood out to me, like I was saying about, you know, it's it's a pretty technical thing, like, I mean, it sounds fun and everything, because it's part of, like, you know, an, uh, the music industry, but, like, that kind of stuff is pretty technical. Yeah. And basically, the reason Tim Robbins got thrown out of, you know, where he lived with his parents was he, he drilled holes in the wall and had to run all the, <laughs> you know, the heavy-duty electrical stuff. And it was pretty cool because the scene where his parents flip out, um, I don't know the guy who plays his dad, but his mom was played by Connie Stevens, who was, like, really popular actress from, I guess, the 50s, 60s onward. But, um, you know, they did it where, like, Robbins was screwing around with a, you know, a video camera. And, like, they kind of just shot the whole scene from the video camera point of view that he was holding. Mm-hmm. You know, his parents yelling at him. Yeah. Whatnot. I thought that was interesting for the time. So they kind of, you know, make their way to, I guess, either downtown L.A. or the outskirts of L.A. And they find this uh, loft where there's this kind of crazy... Um, young woman there who's an artist making all this weird art like she was blowing shotgun holes in this giant painting she made <laughs> and uh, it'll come into play later but obviously she's a you know a rich kid in this space you know so like they really show up and they, they want to know like can we rent this space because we need to play you know at least Tim Robbins does I guess I'm assuming both of them end up living here but they need a place yeah. to start their video production company yeah and she's just like, yeah, sure. And there's like, you know, how how much is it a month? She's like, oh, it's free. You know, I own the place or whatever. <laughs> so again, like, we're going into just the madcap. Like, let's not worry about the realistic details. We're not trying to, yeah. you know, turn it into drama. Oh, and, here's another cameo. Yeah, here, here we have, you know, there's a lot of scenes of, like, weird stuff going on in TV. Like, they're really trying to set up how weird the world is. And here we have, like, a very, like, yuppie-ish Bob, young Bobcat Goldweight <laughs> doing a... Uh, you know, a uh, used to see this all the time too in the eighties. One of those get rich quick things, just buy my book. But you know those infomercials. So you know, he pops up a couple more times on the TV. But here we have they have this girl <laughs> hauling in all their equipment for him while John Cusack just sits on his ass <laughs> smoking his black and mild. I like how he's so like businessman like you know. Yeah. <laughs> I think I guess that's why he has his mustache. Yeah. <laughs> Like he's clearly like a young guy in his early twenties, but he—he—it's—it's it's almost like he's kind of doing a um impersonation of what he thinks a middle-aged sleazy businessman yeah. should be like, you know. Yeah. Whereas Tim Robbins is really just like an, a you know an eccentric goof. Like he started out yeah. the movie having like a, like a real flattened down kind of bowl cut haircut, but now that he's on his own, like yeah. his hair's gone all crazy, <laughs> and he's almost like a young Einstein type guy. Yeah. Well, he just, he had to fit the mold of having a professional job. <laughs> yeah, he's almost like, uh, yeah. And now he's almost. And here we have, they see a commercial for uh, Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles, which actually is a real restaurant in Los Angeles. And it's uh, this old white guy, Roscoe, I guess. And uh, he's in like a chicken suit, just doing a, a really bland and terrible, um, <laughs> you know, come to our chicken, here's the phone number, you know, just real monotone, so Cusack's calling him out for, you know, how kind of shitty his commercials are, <laughs> and he gets the idea. He knows he can do better. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, that that's a job for their company, which I'm not sure if they, at this point in the, uh, 
the uh, story they named it, but it's called Video Aces. So literally, you see Cusack picking up the phone, and instead of like showing all the scenes of them going and filming the commercial, we just literally cut to what the commercial would be. And the commercial, instead of a thirty-second spot, ends up being a five-minute rap video yeah. <laughs> featuring this old guy, this old white guy with white ass hair. And then all the kind of soul backup, uh, you know, singers and who are the waitresses, and it, he does he does like a good three and a half minute rap here, and it's it's really good. And the you know the he's got gold chains. One is like a gold <laughs> uh, pendant of like a waffle with an R in it. And you know that aspect of it that like you know one scene goes from him calling and then the next scene is the actual music video without, like you said, without them showing us what happened in between. That's something that is like, you know, I don't, I didn't feel the need to see those little right. aspects of it, you know? Like, that's one thing I think that's really different now in filmmaking today is that... They over-explain. Yeah, it's just, they make you sit through every step of something instead of just progressing the story along and, you know, moving on to the next scene or next situation. They sit and they draw... It, like, a lot of comedies now, like, I don't even think they're, like, 90 minutes anymore. I think they're usually, like, two hours. Yeah, two two hours, 15 minutes to, for the the madcap hijinks. Wanna, yeah. And I, 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 I could be wrong, because they only show oh, from the side. Here. Yeah, there's some, there's a, two nerdy guys eating chicken <laughs> in the music video. Chicken waffles, and their, their waffles and their chicken comes alive, and it's, like, stop-motion animation. Quick shot of, uh, I think it was Cusack in the background, yeah, dance around, <laughs> doing the swanky modes, you know, kind of b-boy stance. So here, here we cut to, you know, the aftermath of, they're watching the commercial on TV, it turned out great, but unfortunately they still don't have any money because Roscoe pay, paid them all in buckets of chicken. Oh yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so you know, it's a, it's a good story, you know, of them building up their career and whatnot. But they have some equipment going in the background there like yeah they additional from what they had it looks like yeah they they have a lot of shit it's it's hard to tell what they did with what because they they had like literally three giant tv monitors that they brought with them but uh now he's trying to come up with oh because uh, Tim Robbins' character is unhappy because he want he actually wants to do music videos. Yeah, he wants to do something artistic and not chicken commercials or whatnot. <laughs> yeah, and plus they didn't get them any money. Yeah, and that's what they're in it for. Well, not just for money, but you know they obviously want. They need to, get to make paid. a living. Yeah. yeah. And like, even though they already have a ton of equipment, I think they want more and whatnot. Yeah. So here they go to branch out to do more commercials. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's a uh, they go to like. Recorded commercial for this lady who's a pet psychic. <laughs> she's basically got it looks like a dog's collar, and she's uh, acting out, you know, like the dog talking through her. <laughs> she's whimpering and making noise. <laughs> yeah, it's just really silly. And here we have Cusack going to all the like the real life record companies. Here he gives a business card and a video tape reel to a guy he thinks is an executive. I think that's actually Mike Nesmith. Turns out he's talking to, like, the water guy. <laughs> Here we have a very quick and bizarre Weird Al Yankovic uh, thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Weird, Weird Al pushes Cusack to the ground. That's kind of weird. Here, uh, here we have cat, yeah, cat Scratch Fever, Ted Nugent. Where he wasn't the conservative uh, political rocker back then. He, no. He's he got a buckskin thing. Well, that, I mean, he's still a hunter, but he's got some real crazy hair. He looks like a wild rocker. 
he sure doesn't like my people, but he sure wears their styles. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, here he goes. You know, going to all these different places, running all these people. And I'm not sure who this guy is, if he was a known rapper at the time, but there's, like, a guy just behind a desk, like, beatboxing all day. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. I thought this... Oh, here, there's a lot of... I think there's... I'm sure there's more than one, but there's a lot of different... Uh, Brazier and Ass, that's the one yeah. that the whatever lawyer service or whatever it was that was above where he's going <laughs> yeah he's he, he goes to you know he's made his way to all the big record companies nobody gave him the time of day now he's going to like he's searching out uh, some tiny independent record label in this really fucked up building like he gets in a fucked up elevator keeps going up and down finally has to crawl his way out of it i can't we need to go back to that though to that board to see what other secret messages were on it yeah we should freeze frame it and take a look at it sometime he literally has to like crawl underneath a ladder to get in this tiny office, and we got the uh, the legendary um, what's this guy's name? I keep wanting to say it's Bernie Casey, but it's not Bernie Casey. It's the real life Don Cornelius. Yeah. Yeah, Don Cornelius, the guy who hosts hosts the Soul Train. And I think he was in in you know involved in the music industry somewhat. It's probably strange. Yeah, here's another <laughs> wacky thing, like how you always see bums in movies walking up to people's cars and trying to wipe off their windshields. Well, they're in, like, this high-rise building, and this bum, like, is propelling down the side of the building, <laughs> spitting on the window, trying to get a tip. <laughs> so, th- I thought this was a pretty pretty well-written scene here with uh, Cusack talking to J- uh, Don Cornelius. <laughs> of course, there's a secretary who has, like, eight-inch fingernails. It was nasty. Oh. <laughs> but uh, he introduces uh, Cusack, uh, you know, what, it's, what it means to, to work on, you know, a music video doing it for spec mean meaning no money meaning you're basically just doing it to build up your reel but uh cornelius he doesn't even care about seeing the roscoe commercial or whatever <laughs> he, he just he just you know he just knows he can get these young guys to work for free so he's yeah, all he's about like, it you're my kind of guy or something yeah. like he says something like that <laughs> with his smooth voice <laughs> but yeah i thought it was funny when he picked up the phone and called the secretary that was sitting like yeah, she's in, the, she's in the same room as them. It's pretty wacky. <laughs> Cusack's looking nice and greasy in this shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is where he drops the ball on him that he's going to be doing for spec. And Cusack <laughs> doesn't even know what spec means. I know. I, I meant to look that up. Like, I wonder where, where it comes from. Well, and I, I, I always heard the term in terms of movie writing. Uh, you do, You make a spec script, meaning... Nobody pays you to write it. You're just writing a script on yourself to. But is it like short for something like? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, speculation I, or something. I, well, yeah, I always you know thought it meant speculative, but here we have is this is our first kind of like legit music video, <laughs> and it's for a German synthesizer <laughs> band and this ridiculous song called Baby Doll, which this song was like really stuck in my head. It's almost like. <laughs> This is like a, the musically it's like a cross between like Devo and like Flock of Seagulls. It's these three guys like one the the singer guy is like all hunky with <laughs> this giant mullet, and they're doing this one take music video in front of a white curtain. And these guys are singing and dancing around, bopping around in their designer clothes and whatnot. And uh, like I said, it's one take music video, so like they have all these like gimmicks where like Tim Robbins has to like run around to the um, you know like the scaffolding. Uh, you know, as this one take music video is going on, 
And like here is is like he just starts dumping paint on the guys as they're playing their song. Like yeah, I was wondering like was that like originally part of their like idea for the video? Because I was kind of like it went so far. Like by the end, yeah. I was like, did he like was that always originally what was planned? Like it just seemed so strange. I mean, I think it was because you know they had all the shit set up, yeah. and like the guys are like kind of like. I don't know. The, the feeling I get is like the guys in the band didn't really know what's going to go on, but yeah. but the, but Cusack and Robbins had this plan, and now now they're all doused in different color paint, and now Cusack's going to turn on this fan, this giant fan, and uh, shoot, rip open pillows and shoot uh, like uh, feathers onto them. So it's basically like these 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 oh, German yeah. prog rockers or whatever are going to get like dumped. Cusack's also dumping glitter on it. It's kind of like a cool idea for a music video. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I was kind of like, uh, like I thought the paint thing was kind of cool because like they had a white background, but then when they started doing the feathers, I was just kind of like, what's going on? Now they're shooting off fireworks everywhere (laughs) to the point where like the guys are like getting sparks in their faces Uh, and shit. It's obvious. But they're still going. Well, yeah, they're still going. (laughs) I mean, the lead singer is singing away and dancing, you know, showing his biceps and whatnot. (laughs) Eventually, Cusack, yeah, Cusack has to hit him with a fire hose and now all their keyboards are destroyed and. I don't know. It's it's pretty funny, and Cornelius's reaction is kind of like, <laughs> you know, this really, you know, wasn't what we wanted. You got to do more. You got to have. Uh, he tells him like, you need more production value, and by that he means you got to have tits and ass because you know, <laughs> just these guys, you know, playing and being hunky and having paint and shit thrown on them. You know, it's but not like, doing it. I was kind of surprised because like the way Tim Robbins is like, you know, upset after the chicken and waffles thing like how he's like oh i really want to make music real music videos and then he gets this opportunity to make one but then he like made a like a mockery out of it i was kind of like do you want to do music videos or not (laughs) like i didn't understand that but i think he just had a um i don't know like a just uh i mean i know it's not his kind of music yeah but still but but i think he just was trying to make it as artistic as possible with no budget yeah and, you know, he just kind of got off on, like, a bizarre idea of yeah. what to do. They just did with what they had. Yeah. So here they are feeling kind of dejected. But he tells them, like, I want you to do more videos for me. You know, just more... On spec. On spec. Everything <laughs> ends with on spec. What is she wearing in her hair? Yeah, she has, like... Um, they look like wires. They are. She has, like, electrical wires. <laughs> So here, like here's one of their jobs. Yeah, the, well, another one of their crappy day jobs is they have to go to a hospital where an old man's dying, like literally dying in a hospital bed, and uh, you know give his last will and testament. And then like they got cue cards for him to read everything. It's it's pretty wacky. I mean, this movie is pretty like bizarre and satirical. Oh, but like he's dying, and like they're telling him read it with more emotion, and it's like, yeah, well, the dude is yeah. dying. Tim Robbins is trying to direct it because he's just an old kind of frail old man. <laughs> Say it like you mean it. Yeah. It's like, well, he doesn't... <laughs> he needs to just say what he needs to say. <laughs> There's in the background of the TV is uh, Bobcats on TV again pushing his get-rich-quick squ- uh, you know, schemes. I didn't notice that. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> yeah. He's on he's on breathing machines, everything. Yeah. Tim Robbins was telling me like this isn't good enough. You really gotta do a you know, great job. 
So, of course, what's going to happen here in a second is he tries to give it performance. So, you know, oh he's sucking God. on his action. He's trying to get hyped up to do this great performance. Merlin Hinkle is his name. He's trying to read his will and testament. He's like screaming at him to get it right. He's tired of doing takes. Which is just ridiculous because they really just, whatever the guy said would have been good enough. Yeah. But unfortunately, he's yelling at that. Yeah, he's trying to act it out. Robin's telling more energy, more energy. Now, obviously, you can guess what's going to happen. This <laughs> is this poor old man's going to have a heart attack or whatever, and he's going to pass away. Yep, there he goes. And and like they're you know they're just you know trying to keep it going, uh, keep it going. They don't even realize he's dying. And then I think they're still like, no, don't die. We need to get paid. Yeah. <laughs> so they do this insulting thing here where they, oh I think they put sunglasses on them and. They kind of put this is kind of like a forebear to weaken a Bernie's. <laughs> they puppeted him, you know. They do a close up. They puppet him, you know, with his mouth, and they they dub uh-huh. they dub in their voice. It looks know. like Jack Nicholson. It does. <laughs> it kind of looks like Rip Torn as well. <laughs> uh, they puppet, you know, gotta pay video aces, whatever, you know. So my they, favorite video production company. I think he makes them say. Yeah, Cusack <laughs> is doing the puppeting here. So insulting. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> yeah. But that just shows you how crazy this movie is. And then, like, I like how, like, no doctors or anything ever come in, like, when he dies. Yeah, like, when he flatlined. Nobody <laughs> yeah. came running in. Um, there's also an ongoing theme throughout this movie. When they first were going over to that uh, new place they were going to live at, uh, the warehouse, he had one parking ticket. Yeah. And now, in this scene, you can see he has two. Yeah, the parking <laughs> so, things just keep piling yeah. up on his, you know, under his windshield wiper. But that's, like, that's what I mean. Like, the, I like how movies were made back in the day and that, like, there's little details like that, you right. know? Like, and it's, like, adding, it adds a little bit to the story because, obviously, they don't have money to pay for those, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, they go to this mansion to videotape, like, a party or whatever. They accidentally walk in and on an old man and like <laughs> some woman who's kind of like a dominatrix, but I don't know, just more like a weird sexual woman. And uh, this old man dressed in a ballerina outfit, <laughs> acting weird shit out. Now we meet the lady who hired him. And it's actually the lady who plays the mom on that TV show Arrested Development. <laughs> and here we figure out that the old man dressed in like the ballerina outfit was actually Clue Goliger, the guy who's oh, running okay. for Senate. He's having a conversation with his, like, dominatrix or whoever she is that he does weird <laughs> shit with. And uh, she kind of intimates that, you know, like, hey, if you try to fuck yeah. with me or do whatever, I could always let your secret out of how kinky and weird you are and shit. That dress she was wearing was so crazy. I know. Oh, my gosh. And there's some <laughs> drawers, yeah, here? playing limbo. <laughs> so they're kind of videotaping the party and they're... They bump into some people, and Cusack, you know, he's trying to network. He meets this lady, who I think is a reporter with, uh, like, I can't remember if it was Rolling Stone or Billboard or what, some type of music industry magazine. I I don't, this kind of surprised me, too, because I don't think I ever saw Cusack be so, like, like, 
fondling of anyone before. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be like he bumped into her and she lost her oh, contact. Yeah. So he uses his excuse to basically grope her up. Yeah, like I've never seen that of him before in any of those mo- any of the movies he's done. Yeah. Now Clue Gulliger, he's tired of this lady, you know, making blackmail threats. So like he really like you know, this movie kind of starts going into a little bit of dr- weird, bizarre drama here. It's almost like I don't know, kind of borderline Twin Peaks esque. <laughs> what is this guy doing? But uh, Duh. basically, the Secret Service is here, and that one Secret Service guy is oh. breaking the camera. He's like real familiar. Like I think he was on a bunch of sitcoms in the early nineties. Huh. I don't know his name. I don't recognize him. So they're throwing out the journalist for secretly taking photos. And then in the back somewhere, Clue Gulliger is threatening his mistress, and she's she's gonna break out, and there's gonna be a little bit of a chase here in a second. <laughs> there were a lot of actors in this movie, whether they were in the background or anybody they interacted with, that I felt like I recognized. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people. I mean, there's a lot of name people in it, but um, it's just funny, just like my background with how I came to this movie. Is I never knew this movie existed at all. Like, I don't... You know, all the video store days or whatever. Uh, I don't remember it coming out in theaters. I don't know if it was a big release or not. It might have been just one of these movies that played for a week and was gone out of theaters. Yeah. But uh, I know pretty much a lot of the... From reading the background materials, uh, a lot of the uh, promotion got actually scrapped. Wow. Because Robbins and Cusack were actually acting like such goofballs. Uh, NBC tried to help promote the movie by having them go on the morning show and like they showed up like I don't know if they were drunk or what but they showed up being up all night and they acted so goofy that they didn't give a coherent interview so they didn't end up up airing on TV or whatever and so like I think it was one of those things where what promotion they did do was just all either like that where like they didn't really promote the movie you know as the actors because they were young guys and they didn't know what they were doing and like at this point in time, Cusack had, you know, he done all, like, the kind of extra parts in the Hughes movies, and he yeah. made a couple things, like, Better Off Dead. But I think Tim Robbins was really unknown. I think the only movie he really did was uh, the really that really low-grade uh, uh, teen comedy, <laughs> uh, Fraternity Vacation, which wasn't, like, a huge hit or anything. <laughs> Here's all the scenes of what he was asking for. yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, here here they are. They're turning in their music video <laughs> to Don Cornelius, and like and literally, <laughs> literally the entire video. There's like, there's no. It's just somebody's song playing, <laughs> and it's literally just cut. To, you know, they went out on the beach and filmed close up of girls' butts and breasts. <laughs> you know, putting a couple shots of monkeys going crazy, literally, and that was it. Don Cornelius loves it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not too long ago. Um... I finally, I had a, I've had a Twitter account for a really long time, but I never ever used it because I was always about Facebook. But recently I kind of started using my Twitter account again and I didn't remember, but I had actually started following John Cusack when I first uh, got my Twitter. Yeah. And so I've been seeing a lot of the stuff that he posts and he's a really interesting guy and I gotta say like, 
I love how he's so, like, out and about with, you know, whatever his views are and all that about things. Yeah. But um, every once in a while, they're, you know, they he does, people do talk to him about his movies and his career and stuff. And he actually mentioned on there that there's a, they've done, like, him and Tim Robbins have done a lot of movies together. Yeah. And I was surprised by that because I'd never noticed that. Like, I know I've seen some of the movies, but I don't know, it just didn't occur to me that there were that many. And I was like, wow. Yeah. I was like, that's interesting. <laughs> I didn't realize they were such good friends, but yeah. apparently. <laughs> they were and um yeah so i mean i didn't know about this movie really at all like literally at all i never even heard of it or realized that cusack and robbins did a movie together when they were so young yeah and then i want to say it's like the real early 2000s like maybe like 2002 i was going through a kmart it was like me and a buddy i worked with at a video store we just go around and buy dvds and we're at kmart looking for shit and like literally the five dollar bin i found this movie and the cover is crazy <laughs> And uh, it's just really insane. Look up the movie poster for Tape Heads. So it caught my eye, and I started reading about it. I was like, how is there a movie with these two guys that I never heard of it? And I watched it, and it's just this bizarre kind of mixed bag of, you know, like the plot going every which way. But, of course, I was drawn to it, not just because they were in it, but just because of what it was about. Yeah. I thought it was a pretty interesting, you know, uh, comedy concept. And I like that it didn't, even though they, they were young and they could have done it, I like that it didn't fall on the lazy traps of it being, like I said, either a high school or college comedy. Yeah. Just really about young guys, you know? Yeah. So they showed Tim Robbins and the girl talking, and it kind of seems like they're striking up yeah. a relationship of some sort. And I thought this part, like, this whole concept of these two guys being into that singing group they're into, like, yes. I don't know, I thought it was so unique, because I was just like, why are these guys into that? Like, and they're so into it that they're, like, dancing, and... Yeah, they're dancing they on the, the rooftop. They got dance moves together, like, playing they got a the song. Going. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, they, you know, they got, they got the moves down and stuff, yeah. and... And that's another thing, uh, it will come into play here. <laughs> we cut to literally now it's, it's daylight is breaking, you know, dawn <laughs> is breaking. They're still on this rooftop dancing to this, you know, this old soul group called the Swanky Modes. Yeah. Who we never, at this point, we never saw, like, them full on or anything. We just see little clips of, like, you know, like in the, in, you know, the very beginning movie. Yeah. The montage and stuff. So they pretty much were just... Cusack was up there dancing, listening to the music because they're kind of in a low point right now with their business, their production company that they can't seem to catch a break. Yeah, they're kind of a funk. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they they uh, they get, like, through weird circumstances, like, writing this script must have been a nightmare for the person <laughs> who wrote it. But here we have that journalist I was talking about earlier. Uh, she's on the set of a music video of, of a hair band, hair metal like you know kind of shocker you know type of uh rock group and uh it's, shock rock yeah shock rock but it's like <laughs> hair metal but it's more like the darker hair it's not like the the really like pussyfied you know like these guys are really trying to be tough and they're spandex and shit I like his jacket that he made. <laughs> yeah, video aces. Video aces. <laughs> but uh, it's kind of funny. So here they are on, a, on the set of a real music video. Something happened. The, the singer ran the director off. So, you know, the journalist, who, the music journalist who was there, she recommends the video aces. So here they come in. Uh, Tim Robbins is flying around the crane. Cusack is going to try and, you know, fucking Cusack uh, always being the you know whore that he is he puts on a like it's like a it's like a dungeon pile of skulls this this music video set he installs a miller light 
Neon thing. Because that's his sponsor. Product placement. Yeah. The, the fake band is called Blender Children. The set is basically these two giant skulls with girls chained up in the mouths of the skulls. It's very... I wouldn't go as far as call it satanic, but it's just that heavy metal, like, you It's perfectly know. normal for us. We've seen this before. Yeah. <laughs> this singer guy, uh, I didn't look him up who he was. I'm sure he's probably some type of real musician, but he's a pretty freaky guy. <laughs> he does look like those guys from back then. Yeah. And, like, girls are, like, walking and falling into the top of the set, which is kind of like some kind of weird purgatory hell type thing. Well, in Cusack here, he's trying to put up a front that he knows what he's doing, but he really doesn't know how to work that machine. Yeah. Like, like there's no, like, crew. It's just literally Robin's up on a crane filming it himself, and then Cusack trying to drive it. It's like, you know, the crane yeah. is attached to a little car. Yeah. And you get all the shock rock antics here, the guy... <laughs> Guy going oh my nuts. God. That flame looked like it was so close to him, to yeah. Tim Robin. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, there's just weird, more weird against the law of physics oh stuff is starting gosh. to go on in this music video. So here, he can't stop it from going. Yeah. But I can't tell if it's because he doesn't know how to use it, or on this one, on this part, or if it's because the thing is malfunctioning. Yeah, I mean, he was kind of like you know doing oh. it fine. I think it's he doesn't know what he's doing. And... Yeah. Oh. It's just hard to control. It looked like it was just hard to control anyway. Yeah. But yeah, they literally almost kill the lead singer. They almost run him over. They bash this giant crane into the set. You know, everything kind of gets broken and screwed up. All the girls are running out. Yeah. <laughs> and now they want him. They want to be all over him. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah, they're giving Cusack their headshots and stuff. So hopefully he can get them in more music videos. Oh my gosh. Tim Robbins oh is gosh. hanging off the crane. <laughs> Here we cut to a, a weird thing, you know, just to show how offbeat this movie really is. Now, here we have Fishbone yeah. playing, a, like, a weird fictional version of their song. So I can't remember what they call themselves, Ranch Bone or something. They're dressed in cowboy outfits. Yeah. And if you know, like, how kind of funky Fishbone music is, and they're playing some weird, like, spoof fake country song. I thought Fishbone was a swing band, like, uh, that kind of jazzy swing. Uh, they're kind of, like... They were kind of like a punk. Really? Uh, yeah, they're kind of like a punk kind of... I don't know how to describe them. They're like a punk kind of <laughs> fusion band with jazz and oh, no. just other things. And maybe a little tiny bit of ska. Just that weird genre that's yeah. hard to define. So, so here's the introduction of the band. Yeah, the Swanky Modes. <laughs> who always... Always get this screwed up but swanky modes are played by uh this is like an open mic night type thing yeah and uh they're there to audition swanky modes are and they're played by junior walker and sam moore yeah. two soul legends real soul legends in real life <laughs> yeah they didn't just get just like fake actors or whatever so cusack and robbins you know they always hang out at this dive bar they realize the swanky modes are there and like they start going crazy, you know. Oh, we gotta, you know, we gotta approach them. We gotta talk to them, you know. But this is after the music video like went wrong and everything. So they're there, you know. Robin's accused that they're they're kind of drunk now, so they're obviously <laughs> not in their best frame of mind. They're down in the dumps. Yeah, and they have the swanky modes, kind of wearing like outdated seventies clothing. I'd say. Well, even them too, like. Once Cusack and Robbins like start talking to them, they're 
even they kind of have the attitude of like, no, we're, you know, we're washed up. Nobody wants us. Like, they yeah. kind of are like not even into their own gig, their own gimmick. Yeah. The, uh, the bartender. Uh, I like this part. It was pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. Basically, the swanky modes get up and leave before Robbins and Cusack can approach them. But the bartender makes them close their eyes and do the alphabet backwards in sign language. Yeah. And when they open their eyes, the swanky modes are gone. And they can't believe, you know, they missed their chance to meet their, le- you know, their idols, these legendary soul singer guys. And just, just more shit luck for them. That was, I thought that was so funny that they actually did that part. But yeah. I wonder if they like had, they had their eyes closed. It looked like what. I was wondering if they had something, like, on the bar that they were kind of had their eyes open a little bit, you know, to yeah see it backwards. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they did that with the sign language. Here here we have the breaking news that that band that they kind of half-assed did the video for, yeah. that rock metal band, the Blender Children, they got killed. They were going to do a concert somewhere, and a, a satellite came down and <laughs> out of space. And that was, like, actually, it's, it, it seems ridiculous, but that was, like, a thing. Because, like, whenever we first started shooting satellites up in the space, there was this idea in the 80s of space junk always coming down to, like, you know, re-enter the Earth and, yeah. and wreak havoc. So we're now we're starting to get more into, like, the overall dramatic whatever plot of this comedy movie. And basically, like, we're at that incidental scene earlier where they're filming that part, that birthday party at that senator's house. The uh, weird sex prostitute lady slipped in the tape uh, in the Cusack's bag. He didn't know it. And the tape basically has, you know, the blackmail of the senator dressed as a ballerina and doing all that weird sexual shit. And the journalist lady, she works for, like, the like music magazine or whatever but she actually wants to be a serious real journalist yeah. so she, that's why she's trying to make like find a big story yeah like she she kind of knows like what's going on and wants to expose the center it seems like this part was a real like out of nowhere yeah it's out of nowhere <laughs> the girl who owns the loft she she sees the journalist lady there rifling through tapes trying to steal shit <laughs> Oh my god. Trying to steal the blackmail blackmail tape or whatever. <laughs> so now her and the girl have like basically like a martial arts fight. The journalist <laughs> it's a showdown and she brings out her butterfly knife. <laughs> yeah, the journalist pulls out nunchucks and puts oh on the display. God. The other girl like literally she's in her pajamas and slippers. Uh she's in her she, long johns and yeah, her elf slippers. She's got butterfly knives poked into her you know, tucked into her slippers there. <laughs> Here the guys come back and realize what's going on. Put it into it. <laughs> They're Tim Robbins surprise. Yeah. Here they find out the news that the Blender children have, you know, perished. And the, you know, uh, the fake MTV, RV TV, whatever it is. Uh, they want the video ASAP, you know, to cash in on these dead guys. So Cusack tries to, you know, take the footage that they do have. <laughs> and here's all this shit about mixed up tapes or whatever. I thought it was really cool how this came out. <laughs> yeah. So basically what happens is oh. Cusack <laughs> screws up. There's all these multiple um, tapes. And he's, he's trying to tape over some old tape they had. But here we see oh, transfer, transfer audio only. Yeah. So basically what ends up happening here is the footage... 
from, from the music video. music video, like the actual video of it doesn't transfer over. Yeah. Just the audio of the song does. Yeah. And he accidentally records the audio of this rock song over the f- the footage of the funeral of the old man that died. Yeah. So it's like this black and white footage that they had of like grave diggers and everybody crying. <laughs> But it syncs up somehow perfectly <laughs> with the song. With the song, so it looks like they they performed this, even though they just filmed a real funeral. Yeah. It looks like they filmed this atmospheric, <laughs> you know, cinematic, serious, serious rock and roll eighties video. Yeah, <laughs> like it's so. And when you actually watch it, like when they sit and like the, you know they're here in the, they run down there with the tape and MTV or fake MTV puts it on. And, like, they're watching it for the first time themselves, and they realize the mistake that happened, but it actually turns out being a good video, you know? It was, like, it reminds me of, like, um, I think it's, like, what is it, November Rain by Guns N' Roses or something? It's pretty much, like, a, like exactly like a black-and-white version of November Rain. Like, almost to the point that maybe Guns N' Roses ripped this off. I mean, who, who really knows, you know what I mean? <laughs> But the, uh, cool <laughs> yeah, and like, it's like this funeral and then like literally there's a shot of the sun being blotted out because it starts it's like storming and rainy and that's when the, <laughs> the song kicks in kind of high gear. It really is good. Yeah. Now here we have actually the, the RVTV host is actually Martha Quinn who was one of the original, I think four or five uh, hosts on the real MTV. Uh-huh. So again, it kind of, you know, they're kind of spoofing the culture and the genre at the time, but. You know, they're kind of going out of their way and, you know, doing it. I never noticed that. Like, back in the TV, they're back in the artist loft here. And there was, um, back in the uh, TV in the background was, I don't know if it was commercial or what, but for the senator. Yeah. And, and like, they're kind of in, like, the little corner of the place where the girl lives. That's kind of interesting foreshadowing, but. What is her, uh... Her painting she's doing. It was like somebody's bending over with their ass showing. It looked like somebody's going to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it actually did. Now here we have Cusack trying to... No, move. no. <laughs> yeah. He's at this hip restaurant, whatever, nightclub. He's trying to woo this journalist lady. <laughs> like, it seems like he thinks he's in the big time, so he has to have a big time woman. And Yeah, they have, like, candles at the thing and... uh Really weird setup. It's like a punch bowl with candles yeah, in it. That? I don't know what it is. Oh, jeez. But yeah, his arm caught on there f- on fire for a second there, and that was uh, uh, Cusack. Really, you know, his arm really was on fire. They did it all in the take. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm so not used to him being like this. Yeah, strange. It's really kind of sleazy and pervy, yeah. you know. Like, not in a real, like, nasty way, no. but it's just... It's just strange for him. Yeah. <laughs> and here he goes. Oh, no. He's talking. Oh. He, he picks up the candle and takes a big <laughs> drink of candle wax there. Ugh. That's that, that makes you cringe every time you Ugh, see it. I know. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I guess, like, his character was supposed to be sleazy like that, but I don't know. Like, I, it was hard for me to watch him like that when we watched the movie. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I like well, him to be baby face and sweet all the time. <laughs> well, let's talk about that for a second, because um, <clears throat> that's that's why I thought maybe this would, and I and I just kind of wanted to always talk about this movie, and since I feel like not a lot of people have done it, you know, yeah. for podcasts or whatever. But um, this I, part too. <laughs> yeah, now they're like almost in a horror movie. Him and this lady are in this uh, graveyard, 
like she's her kinky thing like she strips down and uh she's literally in all this lingerie and stuff in this graveyard but um i thought this would be a good movie maybe not for you and you and i to talk about just because like I, I always thought it interesting when I first met you to find out you're a pretty big John Cusack <laughs> fan. You have a lot of his movies on DVD and whatnot, yeah. and I thought I thought this would be a good one just because it's it's so unusual. Yeah. And like you and I, I'm pretty sure didn't we watch Better Off Dead a few years back? <sighs> Shoot, I can't remember the one where he was like skiing and stuff. I feel like he skis in a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, but um. <laughs> Yeah, Cusack just got a blowjob, basically, set up. Yeah, he got a blowjob. I can't job see and... that. My virgin eyes. <laughs> yeah. No, but I was just surprised about it. And we saw The Raven when that came out. Yeah. I just bought the Blu-ray a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So, yeah, I was just always been in the Cusack. There's, I'm also a big fan of uh, Gross Point Blank, but I was surprised to find out you were a fan of them, too. I thought that was pretty interesting. <laughs> But uh, kind of what what got you, I'm curious, like, do you remember the time period or what movie or what that got you on the John Cusack train? Honestly, I know it's one of the, I mean, not that late at this point, but the one that really got me was High Fidelity. Mm. And then, like, I, I guess from that point, I kind of uh, was, like, you know, learning more about him. And I realized he was all about, like, the whole like, 80s teen movie thing, so I was like, oh, and then I got into that, and, like, I kind of, like, I know he was, he was in, you said some John Hughes ones. Yeah, but, like, yeah, like, like, tiny roles. Background characters. Like, he was, uh, in 16 Candles, he was, like, one of the sidekicks to Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah, I, but I always liked the ones where he was the star in them, like, yeah. And then I ended up seeing some of those, and I was like, oh, look, he's, like, not even anybody in those movies. And yeah. It was just interesting. I kind of went backwards, like, from High Fidelity, and then I went backwards, and then on to, like, you know, what he, whatever he made after that. But, yeah, I don't know. I just, it's just that thing of, like, I know he was never, well, I mean, I guess he kind of was. That's why I was into him. He was kind of clean and, you know... Uh, he went through a lot of his movies were all about you know his love stories and you know that kind of stuff but it wasn't like super cheesy i don't even know how to describe it it's just a genre movie that existed that doesn't anymore and it was for teenagers and it was for young people and it was kind of like just situations of relationships or you know a person going through the trials and tribulations of growing into adulthood or whatever and it's like I just appreciated that because, I mean, obviously at the time I was either about to go into that stage in my life or, you know, I was, I knew I was eventually going to be there and it's just, it's just fun to see people going through that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, and sometimes it's serious and sometimes it's not because some of those comedies and romantic, the rom-coms that he did, there were some moments in those that would get kind of serious and I'm like, oh shoot, you yeah. know, like... And that is, that's what I mean. Like, it was just a mixture of, like, yeah, it was fun and zany, but then there was also, you know, he was dealing with stuff that, you know, we really dealt with when we were younger, and I just appreciated that about him. And it wasn't, like, super raunchy. Some, you know, I mean, sometimes it was, but, you know, it just wasn't always the same thing. Like It, it was wasn't always, just formula. Yeah, it was him. It was usually about him and a girl, but it, I don't know. I just kind of felt like everything was different somehow. <laughs> like... In each one, so... And then I think High Fidelity, like, I just, I could relate to that, you know, by the time I saw it, I was already a little bit older, but 
I could totally relate to like, you know, the whole thing of your exes and like, why did they break up with you and all that stuff. So it just totally hit home. And then I just started looking into him more after that and just learning more about him and what he did and realizing that there's his sister too. Right. <laughs> Joe. Yeah. And like, I just, just that whole idea was just, I don't know. It was a thing back then, you know, like just like the Baldwins, it's like in the Sheens and like, I don't know. Yeah. Just, D- d- different that. breed of actor that doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah. Especially with Cusack. I mean, I, I got in a Cusack. The, I remember for sure the first movie that, like, I knew of him, you know, and I loved was uh, Better Off Dead. I remember the commercials for it were so wacky on TV, and I think I got my mom to take me to see it, and I loved it. That and Once Bitten, with, had a, which had a real young Jim Carrey, and they were, like, my favorite comedies as a kid. Well, see, like, in this scene where, like, they're finally getting to meet the guys that they like. But look, the way he's reacting, he's so, like, yes, you know, like, so cool. Like, I mean, how many times did we see a band that we, like, we're like, yes. Like, there's just so many relatable things in the movies that he does that I'm just, like, it, like, just, just, you're, you can relate to it as a young person. I mean, even now, obviously, but it's just, I don't know. They're relatable, and that's why I appreciate him. Yeah, and I think I think what's really great about Cusack uh, in terms of like I think now he's just he's great because he's a seasoned you know yeah now veteran. he's an adult and, and he, he takes on serious roles yeah, and, he, that are, and he's willing to be in weird stuff but I mean yeah when he was young I think he was great because even though he and I never knew this for a long time but he actually has studied like kickboxing taekwondo yeah, for yeah. a very long time yeah. and they kind of they kind of worked that a little bit I think into say anything but um. Well, didn't they uh, put, I want to say, the one that he did about Brian Wilson. Didn't they kind of do something with that in there? <laughs> maybe. Maybe remember. a little bit. That was another great one when he played Brian Wilson. Yeah. But I think what was great when he's younger was he wasn't quite the nerd and he wasn't quite, like, the jock guy. He was, he really was versatile and he, he could play both sides of, you know, just a lot of things. He just... You know, his characters are very relatable, like, not in a generic, pre-programmed, shitty way, but yeah. he very much was, like, a, an, an everyman, but, like, a legit, you know. Yeah. Or I think it was Map to the Stars. Didn't he play some sort of, like... I think it was, yeah, he, yeah, they showed him, you know, doing whatever. Yeah, I think Kickboxing in my... I really like Map to the Stars as well. Yeah. It's actually kind of movie I kind of want to see again, even though a lot of people didn't, yeah. you know, give it good reviews or whatever. But yeah, so here they got to meet the swanky modes. They're so, you know... No, nope, there's a big giant pile of Yeah, more parking tickets. <laughs> so yeah... And they're cup holders on their car. Yeah, they got cup holders on the outside of their car. So they're driving down the street and they're just reaching outside and pulling <laughs> beers into the car. Oh. Um, I still kind of think they're pulling them like out of thin air, but I mean, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, they're on top of the world because that accidental music video they made of the you know, the the funeral or whatever, won them all these music video awards. So they just offered the, uh, you know, they they met the swanky modes. They totally geeked out. They offered to, you know, make them relevant again, basically, make a video, do something for them. You know, they're on top of the world. Meanwhile, the swanky modes just threw the card away and just kind of, you know. <laughs> so now we're getting into the Secret Surface guys. Uh, they're looking for the blackmail tape that they know the video aces have, you know. Um, 
They haven't. Oh, they did do the award show already, right? That's yeah. Dressed up. Yeah. It was just basically. It was basically really. They really never showed the award show. They kind of just showed them in the limo going to it. But, I got carried away in talking about the awesomeness of yeah. George Usa. <laughs> there was a weird gag there where the girl had a pencil stuck <laughs> to her head. But yeah, they actually have a security system in their <laughs> loft. I thought that was cool. Yeah, where it has it basically has projection screens everywhere. Where it's a cop, like it, like if you. Uh, cross a laser beam that's like a tripwire the cop yells at you and shoots you so these secret service agent guys are actually shooting like the projection screens and stuff <laughs> so the video aces come home they, they're like who are, who are you guys and these secret service guys they make up this lame excuse that they're in a band and they need a music video <laughs> so there's there's going to be some hijinks kind of following with that I was curious how they did that security video, because, like, mm. how did he know, how did the cop in the video know to stop being like, stop or I'm going to shoot? <laughs> like, you yeah. Know, I was curious about that. <laughs> well, you know what that reminded me of? This is just, like, a weird thing. Um, there was a thing where you could just, it was free, like, you could walk up at a, a mall I was at. I mean, this was years later. It was probably, like, the mid-90s, maybe late-90s. Where the police had this training thing, which it was like that. It was a big screen, mm. and they gave you like a gun that was like basically like a video game light gun, but it was like life size. The screen wow. was you know maybe six feet high by ten feet wide, and like they had it running. DVD didn't exist, and so it had to be off a laser disc. Yeah. But um, they played the thing of like if a guy came out and tried to shoot at you, and you had to shoot him, oh. but it was like impossible to really shoot him. And then it's just like, oh, you you know you got killed or whatever. And it it was weird. It was like like I'll never forget this. It was at a mall, and like the police had taken over like an empty storefront, and they installed that, and you could just walk up and talk to a police officer, and like they let you try it out. I mean, I think I want to say my my buddy Bobby was with me, uh, but yeah, it was it was really strange and bizarre. But that's what it reminded. It looked it looked almost just like that, but the screen was like way bigger. Yeah. Huh. Oh, here they go. Now they're yep. finally gonna. Tim Robbins, he's he's because he's I I'd say basically because he has self confidence now. <laughs> yeah. And plus, you know, him and that girl were digging each other already. Yeah. So now they're you know they're going to get down to it and bone. Cusack <laughs> comes in and see the two bone in there. And they don't even care. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> party time. <laughs> yeah, Cusack's bringing a party oh, in. Oh my god. And like literally, a party goes on all around them as they're boning in this bed. <laughs> Stop saying that. I guess they're. Well, <laughs> funny yeah and it's actually this is like the calypso <laughs> band that was at that um party with the senator's house oh yeah <laughs> everybody's doing like a congo oh, even the con- see yeah. like it's like he's live how does he know what's yeah. going on <laughs> well it's just video aces <laughs> i love this too where um this it's kind of like the next morning even though it's kind of hard to tell what's going on but <laughs> But uh, Robin's mom and dad, they come and there's like, they walk into the loft and like there's this really nice, it looks like you're walking into a real uh, expensive like uh, office, but it turns out it's just, it's just literally a fake wall and on they walk inside and they see the shitty loft and you see on the back of the <laughs> facade, it says rent a facade. <laughs> I gotta say those sculptures are pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, Robin, I wonder... Somebody's got to have those things. <laughs> yes. If not them, if they they didn't. So here they, I thought this was funny. Here they come in and they see, you know, their nerdy son, Tim Robbins. He's in a bubble bath with a girl. And they storm out. The dad is so angry. It's, it's just like, you know, their son is throwing his life away. He's got a successful career as a 
music video director. This is a great gag. The the parents drive away in a white station wagon. There's a very subtle jump cut to then the Secret Service guys pulling up in the exact same white station wagon. It's yeah, I wonder good. why they did that cut. They didn't need to. <laughs> well, the reason they they did the cut was because I think it was the same car. I don't think oh, they, yeah, they didn't I have two. So. Or, you know, they just they just kind of pulled the trick. To... Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. This here, this whole mix-up too. I think it's so clever. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, if you suspend your disbelief, your reality. Yeah. What's with those donuts like crumbling? So, and I just like how these guys are just going along with it, like, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're doing the, they're trying to do the music video for the Secret Service guys, their <laughs> fake band. But, uh, you know, and they kind of give them the guise of that, like, we're going to give you all this money for, um, you know, to shoot this music video or whatever. But meanwhile, there's more Secret Service guys crawling in the windows trying to find that tape. Everybody's trying to find that tape. But they never said they were musicians. Uh, I think just Cusack uh, assumed. assumed yeah. yeah. <laughs> but these guys started making up this like fake song here. <laughs> and they're both nerdy guys. But like the one guy's like really into it. He really wants to be like a legit singer yeah. and all that. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. And they're watching in the background as the other guys like rifle through all this shit. But Robbins and Cusack are just recording their, their video and you know, not paying attention. Well, because the, see, all the guys are fighting with, for the video, because I think it was the senator guy, right, that said whoever, whoever hands gets it, it yeah. he didn't just say gets it first, he said whoever hands me the video yeah. is going to get whatever the, yeah, <laughs> money, or, money yeah. or whatever. So now they are fighting each other for it. Like, yeah, literally <laughs> fighting for it. <laughs> these guys are such, these Secret <laughs> Service guys, they're just well, such... Lame white guys. He's like, no. Yeah, they're dancing and shit. Oh. Uh, yeah, the one guy pops up. It's so cartoonish. I know. It did, well. No, they're all still fighting. He's biting him for that. Yeah, so now all of a sudden they want to be other. Are those hot dogs? Yeah. The center's giving, um, I guess, a lecture to the National High School Conference of Journalists. So it's all these young kids reporting on his bullshit or whatever. And he gives, like, a real weird answer, too. <laughs> yeah. Clue Gallagher is a great actor, and, uh, you know, I mean, I, don't, I mean, he's still around, but uh, I think he's just retired from acting now, pretty much, but, like, like he, I don't know, he had a great run of 80s movies, like, he worked nonstop, and they're all low-budget movies like this, so, obviously, I'm assuming he probably got paid dick for them, but <laughs> I think he's kind of underrated, like, there's just... So many movies, like, you know, this, um, the second Freddy movie he played the dad in, he was really good in, is, obviously, he's really classic in Return of the Living Dead. There's just a bunch. I think the, um, their boss that was at the security office that became their driver, is that Lee Ehrenberg? Yeah, that guy. He plays, um... Like I was saying, he was in, um, he kind of, he, you know, I have to look at his credits, but he might have been in one of the Police Academy movies, too, but I could be wrong. And then the dad, he always reminded me of yeah. somebody, but I can't, oh, he plays Tim Robbins' dad, right? Yeah. yeah. 
Doug McClure. Isn't that yeah. the guy that they always have on, like, The Simpsons? That it's does a, that voice? I think it's, like, Troy McClure oh, or something. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, he kind of looks like him, like, how he looked when he was younger. Yeah, he looks he like does. Troy McClure. McClure, and that's just what's interesting about this movie was they got a lot of people you know from the past, yeah. like like the musician <laughs> guys and Clue Gulliger, Connie Stevens. Yeah, the Lee Ehrenberg guy. He's been in like two hundred different things. A lot of, yeah. you know, it's small so cool things. how like whenever these guys come into the scene, how much like. Tim Robbins and John Cusack are so like you. Know, they look starstruck. They look genuinely yeah. starstruck. Well, I'm sure it's because of who the guys were. In, I mean, they're in, legit. Yeah. Really, they are legit legends. Yeah. You know, outside of this, uh, yeah, I know. Whatever. <laughs> but, but just yeah. like cool, like, you can tell, like, you can see it on his face. <laughs> so here, all the Secret Service guys are are now coming back because they realized they they thought they had the tape because they were told. You know, it was in a it was in a red cassette box, but you know the tapes got all mixed up at one point in time, so the the tape is really somewhere else. So here they all come and like they're just tired of fucking around because you know this this scandal could ruin the senator or whatever. So they all come up like now they all come like guns ablazing with <laughs> rifles and handguns and whatever. <laughs> it's so funny because my mom like she when I was little she always had a Plymouth Reliant. <laughs> really, she had a little burgundy one, yeah. And so, like, seeing those on here and, like, they're being driven by these secret agent guys, it just, it looks funny to me. Oh, they can't oh. have because they blew it up. Oh, yeah, they, they blew <laughs> up, uh, well, at least Cusack's statue got hit by a bullet and exploded. <laughs> so, they, I, they still don't, like, get what's going on. They, they think they just want the money back. Yeah. <laughs> so, they give the money to the swanky modes. They say, oh, we'll give them the money. So they run out, they, you know, they want to get out of there because they don't want to get shot off. They broke the fourth wall. Yeah, Cusack <laughs> looked in the camera, talked. They both did. So here comes the swanky modes. They come in. Huh? They're, they're like pocketing the money as they walk out. So obviously, they go, they, they go to give the uh, briefcase back. And um, here we go. Yeah, Secret Service guy he looks in it, sees the briefcase of money. <laughs> That's not what they want. <laughs> yeah, they they want something else. They end up giving the briefcase some money okay. back to the swanky modes. Bye. Swanky modes are like, okay, great. <laughs> they run away. I love that shot of the two old guys running away. It's so funny. <laughs> Talk about legit comedy hijinks. Yeah. <laughs> and now here, now here they finally figure out the two dummies kind of figure out what's going on, <laughs> where the journalist comes clean about you know what she was trying to do. Oh, and here's the the big news. Yeah. And they still don't know why because they can't hear. Yeah, they can't hear what's going on outside. But the girl who owns the loft, she comes out and yells at the Secret Service guy. She actually knows them. And they recognize her. Yeah, they recognize her. So that's why they stop all the shooting and shit. And this guy at the taco truck. Yeah, one of the agents at a taco truck dropping sodas and burritos and stuff. So it turns out that she's the senator's daughter. Yeah, the, the girl who owns the loft. <laughs> Now, finally, the sleazy, no morals journalist, she got the tape that she wanted, whatever. I can't. I wish we had subtitles. Yeah, I wish we had subtitles to better explain the plot, but... (laughs) Now, here's... Now, like, the swanky modes, they got booked to do a live concert airing all over the world for Menudo. (laughs) And, like, there was a guy who stole a Menudo t-shirt and ran away. That was bizarre. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. 
Here's here, here they uh, Cusack and Robbins. Oh yeah. Yeah, they tell Menudo there's a problem. You have to go. Now Menudo's not really in the movie. They like literally but never show. But they're in the them. car. Yeah, they're in the car. <laughs> but they, they, I just wanted to clear that up. But um, they tell them there's a problem, and they, you know, they have to go back to the airport or something. And uh, so they end up like driving all around and stuff. Now, really, the whole plan that they have. Is that instead of you know broadcasting live on RVTV a Menudo concert, they're actually going to pull Switcheroo here, the video aces are, and they're going to. Uh, <laughs> this guy. Yeah. Now here's the guy who was at the heavy metal concert where everybody died. All of a sudden he's in a oh, Menudo concert. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. I was like, why he, are they showing this guy? Yeah, he is the guy from TV. <laughs> okay. But yeah, the video aces are going to do a switcheroo, and they're actually going to have the swanky modes come out and perform live and broadcast that. You know, thus jump starting. You know, or I guess re jump starting swanky modes career having a big <laughs> comeback. You know. And was it like and maybe Menudo? <laughs> yeah, so they changed the marquee outside. It says swanky modes live and maybe Menudo. <laughs> um. So this thing that they were doing. It kind of seemed like the impression I got was like it's not something that like was normal back then, like for them to live broadcast a, like a show or something. Like, was it kind of <laughs> supposed to be like the closed circuit thing, or is this different? I mean, what they're trying to do. <laughs> it just was, yeah. It just, I think it's just more special because it was. It's hard to it's hard to describe because on network TV. They always had shit live for whatever, but I remember on cable, especially for like cable channels, were run super cheap back then. Like it was a big deal whenever MTV had something live. Like it was like a super big deal for some reason. It was a special event. Yeah, so I think they're just kind of playing off that, you know. So here's the car. Yeah, the agents in the uh, white car. Slapstick like everywhere. I like how she was talking on the phone in Spanish because she's at a Manudo concert. Yeah. <laughs> and here's the car again with the parents. With the time. parents in it this time. <laughs> and they think it's the security car. Yeah, because the security agents pulled up in the same car and beat up a security guy. So now the security guys are all Whoa. there. And they get their revenge by pulling uh, Tim Robbins' car, dad <laughs> out of the car and beating his ass. She was really hitting that guy. Yeah, the mom got him all the fight. <laughs> but, like, it's kind of serious, though, because the secret agents, like, they're actually shooting at this journalist lady yeah. who has the tape and stuff. Oh. Yeah. There's a guy selling Swanky Moe's merchandise. <laughs> and it, it's it's actually... Wow. <laughs> I would really, because I'm sure you could pick it up for cheap, you know, like I lucked out and got this for like five bucks, but I would recommend, I really would recommend anybody to buy this DVD just because it's like so legit when you buy it, this old Anchor Bay thing, because like it comes with like, first of all, it comes with like a a legit like 20 page booklet or not 20 page, more like 12 pages booklet. (laughs) It's got pictures of the movie. It's got a CD that actually looks like a record of the Swanky Mode song that they do in the concert. He's singing his song. Yeah, Secret Agent Guy gets up to be the opening act, sing his lame song. You said it has a what? It has, has like, a CD single. Like, this is how legit Anchor Bay did. Like, see it? The Swanky Mode song. And it's made to look like a little old record. And it's actually a song? Yeah, it's a song they sing at this concert. Wow. Yeah. 
That's cool. And it's got a cool book. So this is like a legit DVD set. Like I would really recommend just as a collector's item anybody picked this up. And the back of it's cool how it has them with the guys like yeah. taking the picture. Well what's funny is I never it took it literally took me until we watched it this time. I never realized the poster was the swanky uh, mode's body yeah. with their heads. I just always thought it was just some random, you know, their heads. Yeah. But yeah, the, this uh, and then the slogan, let's get in trouble, baby. But this this just seeing this cover is what made me pick this DVD <laughs> up. Yeah. And like, yeah, like I mean, you can kind of tell there's there's like 50 different plots in this movie. Now the journalist is running around as the secret survey just literally blow the shit out of the... Oh, my God. <coughs> They're literally throwing hand grenades on the stage, blowing shit up. And killing two, fans. Yeah, literally two fans literally got their heads blown up <laughs> in the front row. But, um, yeah, like there's like a million different like plot lines in this where, I mean, it gets kind of sloppy or whatever. But just the madcap, you know, way, like, here they are playing, you know, whatever, switcheroo with the tape. All these guys. Oh. Finally, here comes Clue Gulliger strolling in as a villain. He's got his sex tape back or whatever. <laughs> but no, but just, I don't know, like, I really like this movie just because it's so unique. Like, it's you really can't compare it to anything else out there. I thought it was funny how she went over to him. <laughs> yeah. Like, all of a sudden, like, they were, you know... All of a sudden, she was a damsel in distress when she's been, like, this strong character the whole time. <laughs> yeah. can't remember what they're talking about here. Yeah, like, Clue Gogler. And it's kind of funny, too, because, like... Because, like, Tim Robbins and Cusack, they were, um... They were never blackmailing this guy. They were, like, never involved in this, like, what's... Like, they never... Yeah, they e never knew about it. Even though they had the tape the whole time, they never, like, knew about yeah. it. They never watched it or whatever. But yeah, they never knew what they had. So, yeah, so Tim Robbins kind of tricks Kool Gulliger and tells him he's going to put it in the machine and <laughs> erase it so nobody will ever see it. I thought what, it was pretty... No, he said to see it to make sure it's the right tape. Yeah, that's right, to make sure it's the right tape. they have to play it. Yeah. I thought that was pretty clever, too. But meanwhile, because they're in a live broadcast studio, he actually starts... Uh, here we see satellite uplink and process. Yeah. He actually ends up broadcasting it all over the world. Oh it's God. just all this weird... Here's some women writing him <laughs> as, like, you know, print, I don't know, weird shit. Weird sexual shit. He's getting peanut butter smeared all over Ooh. his face. Ooh. It's pretty gross. Now everybody's seeing it. Yeah, his wife sees it. He's getting spanked. Looks like he's getting spanked by Courtney Love, kind of. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, wow, Zato and his buddies working out, watching it. <laughs> White, White House, We there was a great uh, <laughs> shitty Ronald Reagan voice impersonation there. Here, it's definitely not Clue Gulliger's ass, but somebody <laughs> tied up with Christmas lights getting their ass spanked. <laughs> and but, he's yeah. telling them, I just put this on for everybody to for see. For everybody to see. <laughs> so now, yeah. What? <laughs> Too late. Can't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah, hygiene. I mean, it's just, it's glace, a classic, you know, comedy. You're done. You know, climax of a movie. <laughs> Ooh, now he's crying now like he's a baby. Crying, yeah, after he's being a villain <laughs> the whole time. Oh my god! But I mean, it actually is topical in terms of look like, at the security guard. He's so sad. Yeah, 
Yeah, it is. That that's what I'm saying. Like, there's so many things that like. Yeah. I saw it, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like. <laughs> I guess in a weird way, this kind of ties in the current events with Stormy Daniels. Exactly. You know? That's exactly the first thing that came to mind. Yeah. He's like, crying. Ah, he's totally crying like a baby. Oh my yeah. gosh! These the guys Secret just... Service guys are crying. <sighs> but yeah, here, here's where it gets revealed that that's actually Tim Robbins' girlfriend's dad. Everybody's shocked to find that out. So this movie's like, you know... Shockers galore. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I can't re- remember. I wish I... They need to put subtitles on I know. <laughs> it's really hard when you do this because you want to remember the lines and exactly what happens in the plot line. But even though we just watched this last week or whatever... Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, because, I mean, like I said, it was the first time I saw it, so I'm kind of like, I want to see it again. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm kind of viewing it, like, seeing it again. <laughs> and because there is, like, so many, di- there's, like, so many plot lines going on and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, do- it does really help to, you know, see it multiple times. Now, here we have the concert is, you know, uh, the limo pulled up. It was the old security. They, they're, they're. I don't, know, I don't know if he was a boss or a score, but that guy who's the other security guard, he's the limo driver. Now we get like first person, <laughs> like we think it's Menudo coming back, you know, <laughs> to finally do their concert or whatever. But obviously the stage opens up and it's 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 the swanky modes. They're going to be live on TV, and they they do their song "Ordinary Man," which you get as the CD single if you buy the DVD. <laughs> Look at these guys. So Weird. cool, man. And their blue suits. <laughs> their perfectly quaffed hairdos. That's another thing I miss now. Like, there's no stars anymore. Yeah. And not, I don't mean, like, young people. Because, I mean, I know a lot of young people are real cool. So, like, I love boy bands and stuff. So, I think they're real cool and they do their thing. But, I mean, like, older guys, too. Like, yeah. I want to see some old guys being cool, man. Being cool old guys. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know what's that's really funny is, is, and I've talked about this with other people too, but there was like a thing in movies back then where they're like, there was like no shame in movies if you were older, like at yeah, all. Yeah. Like they did all the Star Trek movies when all those people were in their 50s and 60s and like nobody ever bitched about it. Like, yeah. you know. There's a definitely a serious problem of ageism in Hollywood. Yeah. Well, back then, nobody really got their start in a lot of things until you're there. They're well into their 20s, where now you're expected to have a music career when you're fucking 15, you know? Yeah. And then by the time you're 20, you're washed up. Exactly. <laughs> Once you lose your cuteness, you're gone. And this is just a great comedy wrap up here, you know? Yeah. Like, we got the main plot over with. The guy's sex tape got leaked all over the air. <laughs> Now it's just like a big musical number at the end. Just for fun. Yeah, the two main characters, yeah. uh, Ivan and Josh. <laughs> like, look at these guys strutting their stuff on the stage, performing their it's song. so cool. <laughs> it actually really is a good song, too. Uh, but, um, yeah, and obviously this is almost like a big celebration <laughs> of Cap Authority. Robbins and uh, Cusack going nuts on the you know side of the stage watching the performance and everything. <laughs> So yeah, like as as weird and kind of like non-conventional as this movie is, in a lot of ways, it's just got a lot of great kind of classic comedy type scenes wow. in it. Oh, <laughs> power moment! Yeah, I just <laughs> they're so Don't funny. Know. Yeah, oh. all the hand gestures and gonna stuff. Blow the horn. Yep, play the saxophone. <laughs> 
<laughs> laser wow, light show. Dancing. Yeah. And imagine seeing somebody now dance and play the horn like that. <laughs> play the saxophone. That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, not to, I don't know, I can't help it, but not to bring up, like, continuously bring up current issues. But yeah, everybody's criticizing Bruno Mars now, and I'm just kind of like... It doesn't matter who's doing it. As long as they're exciting and fun and they make you forget about life for a second. You know, it's like, just have fun and dance. Like, who cares? Like, Bruno Mars is awesome. He's a great entertainer. Just enjoy what he does. Yeah, there's not many, like, classic entertainers. Yeah. And, like, this kind of music. I mean, not necessarily this, but, like, I grew up on a lot of older style music because I had an older sister and I listened to what she listened to. And it's like... That was just the kind of music I listened to. So, like, you know, if somebody's going to start making music similar to that now, I'm going to totally dig it because it's, like, yeah. it's, it's what my ear is used to. And not so much because I'm, like, oh, nostalgic or anything, but it's just those are the kinds of sounds I like because that's what I grew up with, you know? Like, it's familiar to me. Plus, it's different. You know, everybody... The goal now in music is for everybody literally to sound exactly the same, you know? Yeah. All their their synthesizer bullshit and all their robotic, you know, tinged vocals or whatever. Yeah, and, like, this is just, like, party music. It's just fun. Everybody having fun. Like, yeah. I don't know. I People just... having big personalities, being <laughs> yeah. larger than life. Like, even the security guards are up in it. <laughs> yeah, the Secret Service guys. They actually, like, knocked a guy out backstage so they could sneak onto just the stage on stage and dance around. <laughs> yeah, just want to be on stage. Just want to be part of it. But yeah, I like this. It's cool. <laughs> and, it, and you know, and it's it's like a culmination. There was a there was a movie actually with uh, that these two guys remind me of a lot. There is a movie with uh, Bernie Mac and Samuel Jackson called Soul Men. Oh yeah, and it really reminds me of like they they wore those type of suits and stuff. Yeah, and, you know, things. It almost looked like Tim Robbins and uh, Cusack did the two sweet hands <laughs> <actually there. laughs> That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I like how all this stuff is like backstage is like swanky modes posters, laminates. <laughs> Meanwhile, like they literally snuck them onto the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, here we have FBI agents. Uh-oh. You know they they want to arrest the guys for uh, indecency laws broadcasting, <laughs> and obviously the big in joke is one of the guys is uh, Jello Biafra from the Dead Kennedys. Is that the one on the left? Yeah, the younger uh, guy. I was gonna say that guy's eyebrows are real sculpted. <laughs> yeah. Here's some. Updated news on yeah, the Yeah, the crawl in and saying, you know, acquitted. acquitted other charges. Uh oh, their but, parking tickets. Yeah, <laughs> but the parking tickets got them actual jail time. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. Like, that was such a small detail. Paying off a joke. Yeah, like, how fun is that? <laughs> and then we close with the closing credits back to Roscoe and his chicken and waffles wrap. The whole, like, even though we kind of saw the full version, this is kind of like a slightly different one. And like, uh, well, I think that he's actually singing about the movie, yeah. Yeah, he's kind of <laughs> singing about the movie, yeah. But I mean, it just really JJ Hitman number two, <laughs> yeah. It's just really, uh, so many, uh, different people. Wow, Agent Ava Hubbard, <laughs> Jack Cheese, yeah, guy named Jack Cheese. That's a uh, Bobcat. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a couple of different actors in here that were in the movie Repo Man. <laughs> but yeah, another thing I was reading um, that was uh, interesting about this was, um, I don't know what it was, but there was some type of song that Tim Robbins did for the soundtrack. 
and he did it under the fake name of Bob Roberts. And later on, he it like be, the Bob Roberts thing became a thing. He actually made a movie called Bob Roberts, okay. where he like redid the song. And the movie Bob Roberts is about like a country artist who like is conservative oh and, and like runs for her office or something like that. Yeah. And he actually like redid the song that he made like around the tapeheads there and uh, changed the lyrics and stuff. But that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> He's making his waffles. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I see this, it makes me want chicken. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who, who can look at uh, who can look at chicken and waffles and not want it? Really, I don't know about the um, the moving ones because those kind of look gross. But yeah, the moving ones are like claymation or whatever. But... Just constantly hearing about chicken and waffles <laughs> makes me want chicken. Yeah, the, he was scratching the waffle on the record player like hip hop stuff. Oh, now he's rocking out. Yeah. You really only got to see the Roscoe guy during his music performances, but he seemed like a pretty funny guy. Yeah. If he was in the rest, you know, in, like, <laughs> in other parts of the movie, he probably would have been funny. They should have had him come out on that end scene playing guitar. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been funny. <laughs> Don Cornelius. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's pretty much it for tapeheads. It's just really bizarre. I mean, I'm sure... If you're just listening to this show just to hear about an old movie and you haven't seen it, you're probably like, what the fuck are they talking about the whole time? <laughs> like, such it really is such a bizarre plot. And like I said, like, there's so many different directions. Like, you know, like, like it took me, like, the first time or two, because this movie's just so jam-packed. Like, they're just jumping from scenario to scenario and storylines always changing, you know? What's a honey wagon? <laughs> honey wagon is like the, um... It's a craft services thing. No, oh. it's it's like like it's like I don't know if it's literally a wagon, but wherever they set up like the snacks and stuff, <laughs> like not where you serve like the full like lunch meal, yeah. but like where the snacks throughout the day. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is just such a bizarre movie, and anybody who's a fan of guys, you know, like John Cusack. Oh, there's even a Roscoe like chicken guy. He's a guy. rapper. Yeah. <laughs> Bet your bottom dollar. That was another good one by the Swanky Modes. Um, but yeah, I just really recommend it for that. The cast that's in it, it's just... I still don't understand how this movie really got made, but I'm glad it did. <laughs> it's back when these weird little movies could kind of exist. And uh, yeah, you don't get it anymore, and I miss stuff like this. And, you know, this was actually one of the ones... Um, that I didn't catch back in the day. I caught much later, but probably, yeah, I probably had this DVD for a good 15 years. Wow. Yeah, I've watched this, I watched this movie at least six or seven times. Wow. And, uh, I don't know, like, it just won, every, every time I watched it, I liked it, I liked it more and more, you know? Yeah, I wasn't quite sure what to make of it when I first saw it. I was kind of like, what is going on here? Yeah, the first time... It's so strange. Yeah, the first time I watched it, I, like, I liked elements of it, but I wasn't, oh. you know... And here, at the end, there's a telling you to go to a Courtyard Cafe in San Francisco. Renee's Michael. Courtyard Cafe, which actually just closed at the beginning of the 2000s, I looked up. Yeah, so it was around for a long time. <laughs> But yeah, like it. I didn't know how to feel about it either when I first watched it because it's, it's really kind of confusing and it kind of like you kind of just want it to stay, 
in the comedy direction, and then it goes off in all those weird, like, things with the senator. Like, it probably, in all honesty, would have been a better movie if the senator blackmail tape shit wasn't such a big part of the story, but... <laughs> But it still pl- it still pays off in a good and wacky way, you yeah. know. Yeah. And I think the chemistry between the two guys really, you know, really works well. So I mean, I would recommend Tape Heads. I'm sure, just like any old movie, I'm sure you can rent it online for like literally three dollars. So if not, like this this DVD was never worth shit for some reason. <laughs> And it seems like back then Anchor Bay like made a lot of copies of shit. So like I know for a fact because every now and then I'll look it up on eBay. I know you can still find this most of the time. So yeah, so tape heads is a pretty strong recommendation for me, especially if you're the type of person like I am, where you wanna, you know, hunt down the more rare and obscure shit and see early movies from people and whatnot. So what's your final thoughts on tape heads? I think it's really cool for, like, I mean, as much of a tiny audience of people it might be, like, for people like you or, like, others who like to do, like, video editing and stuff, like, I feel Mm. like it's just right up your guy's alley kind of thing. Like, it's got, like, two guy friends and they're going through zany adventures, but they're also kind of, like, trying to make a, like, have their own business with, like, the video stuff and, like, so I didn't, to me, that's what really stood out about it was that it was such kind of like a specific situation that people like you would understand who've done you know video editing and stuff like that so i thought it was cool for that i liked it yeah so that's it i mean what else can you say about tape heads not a lot of people seen it so get in the cool club and see it yeah yeah (laughs) so all right everybody again thank you for uh listening to the show um you know, we're really trying to hit up these more obscure flicks because, I don't know, they usually actually do do well, to be honest with you. So we'll see what more obscure stuff we can dig up in the movie graveyard, and we'll be seeing you all soon. You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows, visit electronicmediacollective.com.